All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Got your Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. Pretty new listeners to the Money Wise program. Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 32nd year of business, and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can catch the MoneyWise podcast on all your favorite podcast streaming apps. As we kick off every weekend's MoneyWise program, I turn it over to my brother, Jeff, to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, and the week just passed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 761 points, or 2.2%. The S&P 500 last week was down about 77 points, or 1.7%. And the NASDAQ last week was down about 248 points, or 1.6%. Now, for the year to date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 13.1%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is up 18.7%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is up 17.3%. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. So September starting off on a little bit of a slow foot. Um, I know probably one of the things you're going to say, Kyle, is uh, it's it's tough to draw very many conclusions from these first, I don't know, eight, nine trading days that we've had this month, given the fact that the volumes, the trading volume seems to be so low. Well, you know, it's like, why is that? Why Why is, why there doesn't seem to be a lot of volume in stocks? Well, you know, we had, uh, the Labor, Labor Day weekend. weekend. So we had the, we had the the days leading up to the Labor Day weekend, the days after uh, Labor Day weekend is over, and and we have you know the September 11th uh, anniversary coming up uh, on here on Saturday, and so I think there's maybe some investors uh, not wanting to commit new cash until you know after September the 11th, and so when you have a market that has not a lot of volume. Uh, it it can tend to be sometimes uh, negative, and that's what we've had in this case. And I mean, what do we have? Seven straight months that the markets were up uh, going into the month of, of September. So to have a couple of uh, weeks of the market you know, trending lower is not the end of the world. Uh, it's not. I don't think it's the beginning of a multi-year bear market by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, well, and, and I would say to your point, Jeff, I mean, on Friday, definitely a somber mood with our, you know, we record our show on Friday and with it being air, you know, with it airing on Saturday on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, um, it was definitely a somber mood and extremely light volume on Friday. But, you know, we've seen this before really all throughout this year where the markets take a pause and we've talked about this on past shows all throughout the year. You know, the the stock market does not go up in a straight line. You don't climb a mountain, Mount Everest all in one day. There are times where you have to take a break. You have to take a pause, maybe come back down a little bit, form a base camp, rest up, get your strength to continue back up the mountain. And the last time we saw a pullback of around 3.4, 3 3.5% was July 19th is actually where the S&P 500 was touching right at its 50-day moving average. Now, as we closed on Friday, we're still about nine-tenths of a percent away from the S&P 500 touching on its 50-day moving average. So we still have possibly another 1%. And 
down before we get to that 50-day moving average, and we'll find out if the 50-day moving average is going to be the continued support level support level for the S&P 500 like it has been all year long. Yeah, Joe. Well, a couple other things, too. Early this week, you know, as we always say on the show, you never go broke taking a profit. I think there may be a little bit of profit taking. I was actually like I normally do get out and about in the town and we I do actually know some other money managers and actually one for a, uh, a pretty well-known institution here in San Antonio. They were taking profits on the same day we were. Maybe great minds think alike, but there could be some of that going on as well in certain portfolios. Well, no, that's no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that that's one of the oldest sayings we have in our 32 years of business, something that that father, our father, John taught us is that you never go broke taking a profit. And like you said, Joe, this past week on Thursday and on Friday, uh, we were very busy in all in all of our portfolios taking profits because we've seen a nice run up, um, you know, all year now. Obviously, we take profit. We've been taking profits all throughout this year. But we had another nice run-up, in particular, in a large-cap growth fund that we owned. And then, of course, taking some, um, taking some profits from an indexed ETF that we own across all of our portfolios. And so we have definitely raised uh, quite a bit of money. And, and right now, if you look at any of our portfolios, you know, we're sitting in double-digit cash. So if we find out that the 50-day moving average in the S&P 500 is not the support level this time around, and we see... Uh, maybe a bigger pullback, bigger than the three and a half, three 3.4% we saw back in July, that we have powder sitting on the sidelines ready to take advantage of these pullbacks. But we also can't forget that we do have the, the September effect. And I know if dad was on the show, he would say that you typically don't have a full staff coming back from Labor Day till around Wednesday or Thursday. And we saw this lighter volume Wednesday, Thursday, and then on Friday with basically Wall Street uh, uh, observing the 9-11 20th anniversary, that very somber feeling on Wall Street probably also contributed to even lighter volume, uh, which caused the selling that we saw on Friday. But, you know, down 2.2% on the Dow, down 1.7% on the S&P, and down one6 uh, on the NASDAQ this past week, like Jeff said, this isn't any indication that we're going to be going into a protracted pullback, but there's definitely was some profit taking and more sellers than buyers this past week on Wall Street. The other, we also have October just around the corner, and October has some dubious distinctions for some quite uh, uh, not-so-great days in market history. Uh, October of 1987, I remember very well. And I, I, I want to say that the uh, 20% correction in 2018 started in and around October uh, when the Fed started talking about what? Well, they started talking about making a change to their interest rate policy. That's right. Exactly. And becoming more hawkish, which we know, but we exactly. know from, from the Jackson Hole Symposium that the Federal Reserve is not looking to make any changes to the interest rate policy at the earliest late 2022, if not 2023. Let's pause right there and take our first commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. If you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Don't forget, you can catch the Money Wise podcast on all your favorite podcast streaming apps. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's Money Wise program, just continuing our conversation from our first segment of this weekend show, you know, we had a down week this past week on Wall Street, although it was holiday short, and we did have a somber uh, feelings on Wall Street on Friday with the uh, memorialization of the 20th anniversary of September 11th, and obviously our show is being broadcast on September the 11th. Um, Jeff, I know there was something you wanted to, to say before we went to the last commercial break, and now that well, we're you, back. Well, you, had, you were talking about the comments that the Federal Reserve made at the Jackson Hole Economic Symposium. Forum. 
mm-hmm. and the 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 Federal Reserve was, or at least I guess the chairman during his speech was was stating how the the inference was that we're not making any changes. Did you did you use the words anytime soon? Is that was that what you said? No, when it, when it, when I I'm those were my words that they're not looking okay. to make any changes to the interest rate policy anytime soon. Now the taper's a whole nother conversation. Okay. And, and he, well, he but, actually but went out taper, of his way to delink those two, Jeff. I mean he that's true. That's yeah. right. We talked about that. He he delinked he, he, those two. Well wait no no no. He may have Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean the markets are going to delink those. Well, two this options. is where we have conflict exactly. in our this portfolio is, strategy meetings. This and we is had where, one on Friday. He's always fed. It's always fight right, night. Right, right. This is where the gloves come off the wall and get put on our hands, and we start. But, the, but, the, but they're the big Hulk gloves, so we but, don't but give I, each other a black eye. That's right. But I wanted to say <laughs> something when you when you when you made that comment that your interpretation of the federal reserve's view from the Jackson hole economic forum was that they weren't going to be making changes to, to interest rate policy anytime soon. Those are your words, Kyle. I don't know what, Correct. I don't know what the chairman's words were, but then I get, th- then we get this. Did you hear about producer price index on Friday? I saw it go across okay. the screen. Yes. U S producer prices jump an unprecedented 8.3% in August. That's a year over year number. That's August of 2020 to August 2021. Month over month, it rose seven tenths of a percent. At, and the previous month was up one percent. Now we're gonna we're gonna find out because I remember another comment that the Federal Reserve made that they were basically saying we're gonna let inflation run hotter for longer. Well, we're gonna get a test what quote unquote hotter for longer means now again that well, those weren't the exact words of the federal reserve they didn't use but the that was hotter the spirit. But the, but that the, was the, the spirit of what the inference meant. is is that the federal reserve has been fighting for years prior to covid to try to get higher inflation they wanted inflation up to their i think it was two percent mandate that's correct and for many years this wasn't happening and the federal reserve was was trying to get that number higher seems counterintuitive yeah it seems counterintuitive right (laughs) well they're finally getting it now whether they'll actually allow it to stay higher for longer i mean this is the big this is the highest year over year number since the records have been kept which go that but they don't go back that far ladies and gentlemen they only go back to 2010 that they've been keeping this year over year that's that's 11 years not a big series of numbers. Not a big but, 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 but the producer price index could also be elevated to these levels because of extremely hot some certain handful of extremely hot inputs that are well, pushing it, that number higher it's all and also and so, the supply chain it's these supply chain constraints, constraints. don't seem to be working themselves out but how many times have we talked about it on this show i mean they finally as of the as of the labor day weekends end all of the extra unemployment benefits have finally stopped, although the Biden they stopped administration, this month, I believe they did the federal stuff. Right, yeah, right. Right after the Labor Day weekend. But of course, here comes the Biden administration saying, oh, by the way, all these states that are no longer, you know, that that have all this extra cash from the covid stimulus. Well, you could use this to continue to make these payments to the residents in your state. And this is a horrendous idea. I read an article on Friday out of Market Watch stating that this is not that that they're now finding information and, and are finding data that just as we've suspected and we've talked about on this program, that these unemployment benefits are keeping people out of the labor force because they're making more money sitting on their couch at home than going out and getting a job. And now that they're stopping these extra unemployment benefits, and don't get me wrong, folks. I, I'm I'm sure there's there's some folks that this was a absolute lifesaver and it was necessary. It was necessary during the depths of the COVID pandemic and lockdown. I do not disagree with it at all. But now that we are more than a year and a half, you know, coming up on a year and a half removed from the depths of the COVID shutdown and lockdown, you have to stop these payments because when you have millions and millions of jobs available 
and you have millions of people still not getting back in the labor force. And the study I read just in Texas, who stopped their extra unemployment benefits a couple of months ago, these people are still not getting back into the workforce because they paid down debt. They don't have to worry about getting evicted because of the eviction moratorium, and they've been deferring mortgage payments. And so it's not forcing them to get back into the labor force because they've paid down debt and they've saved a bunch of money from all these extra stimulus measures that are done by the, by the government. And so eventually this too shall pass, but is it going to take September? Is it going to take October? Is it going to take November? And even when we finally get all the people back working again, how long is it going to take to work off the supply chain constraint. I think it's still going to take maybe six to eight months or maybe even a year. Well, I don't think the Federal Reserve is going to sit around and allow producer prices month over uh, year over year to be at 8% without doing something. They're not so, going to let so, it go another so they year. Start, so they start in there. They start the tape. They start their tape. Are you saying that it's going to force their hand to change interest rates? I think there's probably going to be a forcing of the hand at some point. I don't, I, think, I don't think I don't think they can sit on their hands forever. I, I, I would hope that the Federal Reserve would understand the last time they talked hawkish, what happened in the economy, what happened in the stock market, because as goes the economy, so goes the stock market. Well, it can also work in the reverse. And so well, wait, I thought you just said they decoupled between the taper talk and raising interest rates. Well, we're so. talking about two different things here. You're talking about that inflation. It's is one thing. The, it's one thing. It's, it's, it's going to force gonna, the Fed's hands into he would raising love, rates. He would love. For, I bet he would like to go to sleep at night and think that if they actually start to talk about the taper and announce when it's going to happen, that the market's not going to have a negative reaction because he's trying to decouple the taper talk from actual changes in the federal funds rate. But that is wishful thinking at best. What happened in the ECB, the European Central Bank? They announced this past week that they're going to begin their tapering, and I didn't see the markets. The market Europe. was down this week. Yeah, but I didn't see it fall off the table. I didn't see some five. I didn't say it was going to fall off the table overnight. But I think it, that it, the took, federal, all, it took all quarter in, 20, in 2018 for us to have that 20% correction. But we're right? talking about two different things. You were talking about interest rate policy changes, not tapering I, but, of, of quantitative easing. But because, because, my ar- because my argument is, is that taper talk is the same as an interest rate increase. And this, this is, is where of, we disagree, and this I is mean, where we that, disagree. That's 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 my view of it. You're, because, you're saying the impact no, of the market not, is the same. I'm not. Yeah, the saying. impact of the market is the same. In my opinion, I think the it's market not the will same, but because you're the because the market's going to anticipate. Okay, if we're going to have the taper, if the taper happens, which it will, then that just means that interest rates are around. Interest rate changes higher are around the corner, and so the market's going to react. Whether they actually when they the, the market sort of long reacted long before they actually do it. So what we've done this week, which y'all t- which we've talked about in the previous segment, for those that didn't maybe coming into the show late, is we, is we spent Thursday and Friday taking profits, or as Kyle likes to say, scraping profits. Scraping profits. And I don't know how many millions of dollars in profits we took over the last two days. It was like 10 million, something like that. Yeah. Um, but that's what, that's what active asset management is. And well, you never go broke taking a profit. It, it, we never go broke taking a profit. So, and so the result of that is we're back down in terms of our overall stock allocation in a moderate asset allocation portfolio. We're back down to the, to the lower end of the range that we've really you know, been in since getting reinvested after March of 2020. You know, by May of 2020, we were we were basically we were getting closer and closer to our maximum asset allocation to stocks, but we've never gone back there. No, I, 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 I reminded I reminded some clients of that on I've have heard from a few clients that were concerned about what's happening in the markets, and I reminding reminded them that we today in their in the portfolios across the board are not as invested in stocks. Eight, you know, we're now 18 plus months from February 2020. We're still not as invested in stocks as we were more than a year and a half ago. But I want to make the point before before we go to the commercial break. We're still bullish longer term on the market, but we are much more cautiously optimistic and bullish about the market. So 
With that, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Don't forget, you can catch the Money Wise podcast on all your favorite podcast streaming apps. So if you're just tuning in this weekend's Money Wise program, I'm talking about the allocations in our portfolio, and as Jeff mentioned in the last segment, that we are kind of on our lower bottom range of our current allocation and our moderate asset allocation models, right around 60, 62%. Uh, but it's a far cry from where we were prior to the pandemic at the beginning of 2020, when we were closer to our maximum allocation to stocks and a moderate allocation of 70%. But what I was saying before we went to break is that we're, we're still bullish on the market. We're just being a lot more cautious in and around this time, because not only do we have the September effect, Obviously, we have heightened geopolitical risk with the complete debacle uh, of the Biden administration, not only over in Afghanistan, but here domestically. I know there's been some hand-wringing over the Green New Deal that has been, uh, I guess, coined as uh, human infrastructure and the $3.5 trillion, which really it, it equates to closer to a $6 trillion budget that also includes infrastructure um, that's been coupled with it and the hand-wringing with the tax changes or the tax-proposed changes. Um, and I feel that it's, it's really dead on arrival. And we talked about it on a little bit on last weekend's show, Joe Manchin, Democratic senator from West Virginia, who we've said really <laughs> since Joe Biden has been inaugurated in office as the king and, has, and really holds all the power in Washington. And that, that continues to be the fact because he's already said that it's a no-go for him, and so there's going to be a lot more work and negotiation. But I know the Biden administration and the left want to do everything they can to try to jam this down. Um, the you know the American uh, uh, you know, jam it down our throats before they get to the midterms, which I don't know if they're going to have enough time to do that. I haven't yeah, heard Jeff. anything mentioned about changes to capital gains tax rates and all that tax talk. All I've been hearing about is it's going in there after, going after corporations for for uh, buying back stock? That was something that was talked about this past week. And then also something else that a client of ours in San Antonio brought to my attention is the reporting of any bank account, whether it's a savings or checking account with more than $600 in it, that any movements in and out of the account that caught, that has more than $600 in it is going to be reported to the IRS. Now, the current rule Good is, luck any, that. is any is any deposit over ten thousand dollars triggers notification to the IRS? But see, Biden and the Biden team slipped this proposal in to the Green New Deal of changing in bank regulations. And a lot of local and community banks, if there's any listeners of this program that work at federal, you know, not federal credit unions, but small local community banks. I know that they've really raised a pretty big stink because it's just another level of onerous regulations that they have to follow and that they're pushing back against. Well, what, so, the, what is the IRS going to do with all that data? What, do they have software people in place to analyze that data? No idea. No well, I'm idea not saying what, anything what, what about the IRS. Okay. No, 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 I'm, let's, I'm, let's I'm just, not, I, no, I'm it, not either. This I, is I'm, just something that this is just something that's in this giant pork laden uh, spendthrift uh, proposal from from the Democrats, and the, the biggest problem is 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 how do we pay for it? Because like I've talked on past programs, when only thirty nine percent or only thirty nine people out of a hundred actually pay federal income taxes, that's a problem. And and honestly, as I think Steve Forbes many many years ago had it had it right, where he's talking about a flat tax or a flat tax with a consumption yeah. tax. So everyone is paying in at a pro rata level as far as what they spend and how much they make. Everyone has skin in the game. But yes, I, I do agree with some of the verbiage that's come out of the left talking about, especially the super wealthy, the, the multi-multi-billionaires 
and the loopholes that they use and that are available for them to use where they can borrow money and they pledge their stock to cover those borrowed funds. This is one thing that Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk do to where they don't have to pay any income taxes because they're living off of borrowed money and they're pledging their stock to pay those loans back. Therefore, there are any gains on it. Exactly, because they're just pledging the stock. They don't have to sell it. So there, there definitely needs to be some adjustments to the tax code. But personally, I feel that everyone needs to have skin in the game in one way, shape, or form, and not demonize um, those that are not demonize those that are successful, and put it all on their backs. And to say, and for and for the Biden administration to say that they don't pay their fair share, uh, I, I just I, I think it's very disingenuous. But I wanted to come back around talking about the market and just to make it very clear to our listeners is that we're not saying that there is an imminent 15 to 20% corrective move in the market. We're just saying to be very cautious in here. It never hurts to have some, some money on the sidelines, have some powder dry, and to make sure you know what you own, which is Joe's favorite, favorite saying, and we say it on this program all the time, and, you know, to make sure you're checking your allocations, because if there is a pullback and you don't have any powder on the sideline, you can't take advantage of it to be buying in at a lower price. Yeah, Joe. Well, well a couple of things, in talking about portfolio construction, I was talking to a, a, a new client earlier this week about, all right, here's, here's the amount of cash that we have um, that's ready for that pullback. The other thing that I reminded him, and we remind ourselves when you're creating a portfolio, we always have a certain amount of liquidity or a certain amount of investments that we can get to, like we use ETS for that injection seat. So we talk about our portfolio construction, and we can talk about tapering. We can talk about interest rates. But what are you doing in your portfolio to where you have to you can sell something, not just because you can sell it quickly, but it, without emotion? We do a lot of research on stocks. And when you talk about construction of a portfolio – I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of clients, even ourselves, we get really tied into these individual stocks. When you create a portfolio and you're doing it yourself, make sure you have something that you're not emotional about selling. And I'm not talking about inherited stock, okay, and Exxon and all that other kind of stuff. I'm talking about what do you do in your portfolio to take quick steps should you need to um, and create liquidity. Well, and you just brought up a very good point about inherited stock and the emotional attachments and connections to those stocks. And just to just to be very careful with that, because I know, Joe, you and I had a conversation earlier this week about some clients we have, some prospective clients that we've been talking to for some period of time that have inherited very sizable portfolios that are really concentrated in a handful of stocks and the emotional attachment that they have to those stocks and that some of these prospective clients have ridden these stocks down that have cost the portfolios hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars because of that emotional attachment. And so the the one thing, if you find yourself in a position where you've inherited assets from a family member, from a mom, from a dad, from a grandparent, and they were very Uh, much attached and you knew when they were alive that they were very attached to this stock and now that you've inherited you have the same mentality that yes this stock is a massive over allocation in my portfolio but my grandma or my grandpa would be very upset if I sold it and and that's where you really have to have a conversation with yourself that really at the end of the day once your family member wants you to be the best steward with these assets, with these securities that they get, that they gave to you through an inheritance, and they probably wouldn't want to see the portfolio living and dying on just a handful of stocks, and would want you to be a better steward of the money. And we can appreciate the emotional attachment, but we have to look at it from a very pragmatic standpoint: of is this a logical thing to do? Is this the safe and the smartest thing to do in your portfolio? You know, if you want to own some level of that stock as part of that emotional connection, that's fine. But just make sure that one individual stock does not equate for more than 5% of your, of your total investable net worth. And that is a hard and fast rule we've had at Davidson Capital Management since the day we were founded back in 1989. You know, it'd be kind of fun to do a poll or say, have some kind of gauge on how do investors feel about individual stocks, index funds mutual funds, bonds, and which one of them, when they have to sell, uh, gets their anxiety up the most. 
And I oh, bet as far you as selling, it would be stocks. Far, yeah, it would it, be it would, probably, it would probably be individual stocks because you do bring up a very good point, Joe, and that's the reason why we construct our portfolios the way we do at Davidson Capital Management, where we utilize some indexed exchange-traded funds as a base index foundation of all of our portfolios, but they're also used as ejection seats, emotionless ejection seats when we need to raise 5, 10, 15% cash in, on the stock side of our portfolio, we can do it in a matter of seconds. But it's also important having this whole conversation about ejection seats is that you also have to be actively managing your portfolio. You, you know, it's very, very difficult to be successful long-term if you're being a part-time money manager because the three of us all know how fast the markets move in this technological day and age. And you could take one day away from not looking at your portfolio. It could wind up costing you a lot, a lot of money. And this is, again, the reason for the existence of Davidson Capital Management and other firms that actually manage money in-house, not shipping it off to somebody that you don't know and don't have a relationship with, is because we provide that daily vigilance and the daily act of management over our clients' assets to make decisions when the markets predicate that decision to be made. And, it can, and things can change at the drop of a hat. And talking about September 11th, no one knew that morning when they woke up that, that two planes of the worst terrorist attack in American history was, was going to be occurring and, and thousands of people were going to lose their lives. No one knew that when they got up and left for work. And so this is why active management and having a team to actively manage is so critical. Let's take our next commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can catch the MoneyWise podcast on all your favorite podcast streaming apps. So before we went to commercial break, talking about, again, active asset management, something we've been preaching on this MoneyWise program going on 16 years now. And I wanted to kind of fill in kind of the part two of a conversation we had on last weekend show of a prospective client here in San Antonio that was with one of the major legacy distribution discount brokers and the issues that her and her husband were having in the portfolio being frozen for months because of a undeliverable mail issue. And basically no one was steering their portfolio ship. And we're talking a portfolio in the seven figures. And I don't care if the portfolio is worth $10,000 or $10 million dollars. It is absolutely unacceptable. So on Friday, she stopped by our office here in San Antonio to drop off her portfolio. We had a very nice chat in my office and was just giving it a look-see before I do my full portfolio review and analysis. And lo and behold, what do, we, what do I find that Joe finds all the time, Jeff finds all the time, I find all the time for the past decades here at money uh, here at Davidson Capital that we find from these major legacy distribution systems which is your classic brokerage firms but a shotgun portfolio meaning 30 40 different no load mutual funds um, 20 to 30 different exchange traded funds and then one individual stock that violated our 5% no more than 5% invested in any one particular stock in this portfolio. And without even going into my full analysis, right with the prospective client right there in my, my desk, I saw what she had. And I told her, I said, unfortunately, this is something that we see on a weekly basis doing portfolio reviews here at Davidson Capital Management. This is the legacy distribution systems answer to portfolio management. Take a shotgun, blast money out, teeny tiny pieces into a multitude of exchange-traded funds, no-load mutual funds, and hope that it has a decent performance. Well, hope is a bad four-letter word when it comes to Wall Street. Always have, always will. 
And she, she asked me a question and this prospective client was definitely much more versed in the ways of wall street than, than some prospective clients we meet. And she said, isn't there a situation where I get over diversified, where I have such tiny participation that even if a position was up 50 or 60%, it really doesn't mean much to my portfolio. I said, you are absolutely right. But the thing that I found so interesting is she filled me in on a conversation that she had with her, her marketing rep, I guess is the only thing you'd call them because the person she's been working with for oh, years is not the actual them, decision maker. Yeah, but what they call themselves is an advisor. Is, is an advisor. But Correct. There, there's advisors and then there's advisors that manage money. And then in-house. In-house. And, and, then actually make, advi- and, actually, and actually make decisions. And there are RIA, Registered Investment Advisors, that make you feel that they're managing money, but they still ship it off to somebody else to manage. And, and we, also, you, we also don't use Davidson Capital Management proprietary mutual funds either. No, because we don't have any. We don't yeah, have exactly. any. Now, now, I haven't gotten through the four of you, but I, I, what I found so interesting is she was filling me on the conversation she was having with her representative. And she told me, because she was asking questions about this portfolio. You know, my account had been frozen since July. And he said, well, you probably wouldn't have seen many changes to this portfolio since July. And I said, well, to his defense, ma'am, he's probably right. She's like, why do you say that? I said, because look at how blasted your assets are across a million different mutual funds and and exchange-traded funds. You know, but, and, and what blew me away, what she said, and this is a quote from her representative, well, we've been trying to get away from kind of human touch when it comes to asset management. We rely more on computers and algorithms. And I said, well, I can tell you his statement is 100% accurate because when I go to look at her asset allocation, what does she have? 20% overseas. I said, this is the telltale sign of a Monte Carlo portfolio. And so she asked me, can you explain kind of what the Monte Carlo is? I said, did you fill out a questionnaire all those years ago when you first decided to hire them? She's like, yes. I said, okay, that questionnaire is used for them to figure out what your risk tolerance is. And then once they determine your risk tolerance, they go to their Monte Carlo analysis and, and, and plot you on a line And once they plot you on the line and they hit that particular dot, a little thing pops up below it saying exactly what percentage your assets should be allocated to particular asset classes. And then they find those mutual funds, which I'm sure have proprietary relationships and revenue sharing agreements with each and every one of these mutual fund families in your portfolio, and they stick your money in there and then they go play golf. Because I said, this is a portfolio that someone would design when they want to spend most of their time on the golf course in the hunting blind or out there fishing, because this is not active asset management. And if there was some kind of downturn in the market, you know what they're going to tell you? You stay the course. Stay the course. The, stay the, the le- course. The legacy distribution system, which this particular firm is most definitely a part of, are not equipped for active asset management. They're equipped for passive asset management. And so the story I tell from the folks that I've met from another legacy distribution system over and over and over again that showed me their portfolios in in 2009 and told me that they lost 50%, 40% in 2008, I knew exactly what happened. One, they had no active management. Two, they were over-allocated to stocks they lost that much money because the legacy distribution system is not equipped for active management. Now we have seen here just in the last two months, this is a different, this is one company. I've seen another company that's had all these mutual funds in the portfolio. If you have a mutual, if you have a portfolio with one of these legacy distribution systems, that's being managed and you have owned more than 20 mutual funds. I guarantee you, you own multiple mutual funds in the same asset class. And that is 100% wrong. Absolutely. And then to, to kind of cap this off, I asked her, I said, well, how much are you paying for all this? 
I did a quick down and dirty calculation. She's paying around 70 basis points for her management fee. But I said, what are you paying for all the investment options, all the mutual funds you own? She says, I don't know. I said, well, guess what? Now that you're having a portfolio, your portfolio reviewed and analyzed by us at Davidson Capital Management, we'll be able to give you that answer. So you get the true cost of what you're paying. And if you're paying 70 basis points and management fees to this legacy distribution system, what are they actually doing to earn that money? And she said, that's a very good question. Well, she's going to find out next week when we get done with the review. With that, we're coming to the top of the hour break. So we're going to take the break, go into the news. And when we come back, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. So stay tuned. We'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson. We are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the MoneyWise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of MoneyWise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past MoneyWise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at DavidsonCap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. And just a little housekeeping. Uh, this weekend's Money Wise program is going to be a half hour shorter, and the Fighting Texas Aggies pregame will be starting at 1.30 this afternoon. So in this last half hour of this weekend's Money Wise program, and as we like to, to use the second hour of our program to go into investor education, I wanted to talk about a topic that we've talked about before in the past, Jeff. I know it's something we haven't... Uh, we haven't gone into in some time. And the reason why I want to discuss this is because of a new, a new client, new couple that, that have come to us. And it just, again, gave me motivation to have this conversation again. And it really pertains to their particular experience, in particular, the, the husband of the couple and his experience. He works for a major corporation here in the Corpus Christi area. I'm not going to to, to release the name of the corporation, but it's a very large employer here, and wanted to just talk about and really to educate all of our listeners that are maybe a year away from retiring, maybe six months away from retiring, folks that are have been saving in their 401k, maybe even have a traditional pension to go along with their 401k. But I wanted to really discuss their his experience in particular and use that as kind of an educational jump-off point for our other listeners that might find themselves in this similar situation. Um, so just want to give a little background on this on this brand new client and kind of his experience. He was a participant in a 401k and, and is a participant in a 401k for this major corporation. And this major corporation's 401k is managed by a very large name brand brokerage firm. Um, just like most of our listeners would be able to identify and recognize these major brokerage firms from the Edward Joneses to the Morgan Stanleys to the Merrill Lynch's of the world. This is who was overseeing the 401k. And he had talked to me about in years past where periodically throughout the year there would be retirement planning seminars. And what these, and really what these seminars were about and what I've really learned, it was really more of yes, it's a retirement planning seminar, but but more or less it's, it's a, a business, sales pitch. It's a business retention tool. It's really what it is. It's a it's a relationship building uh, procedure, if you will. And we have we have dealt with this particular employer and retirees from this particular employer for many 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 years. And this large name brand Wall Street firm 
has been involved in the 401k at this particular employer the entire time. And we hear these stories, and this particular story is is not is somewhat uh, what we've heard before, and, and some parts of it are very new. And another, another reason why we're bringing this up at this time of the year is that the end of any calendar year is typically a time when there's a lot of folks that choose to retire. And it's in these last few months of the year that these organizations that need to try to keep the 401k business with their organization have these seminars as a way of, of, of retaining the assets should these employees retire and decide to, to roll out their 401k into another retirement account. It's to the uh, organization's advantage from a profitability standpoint to want to hang on to these assets. And we totally understand that. We get it. We, 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 get, we get it, but, but you know what's also unique about this particular 401k is it offers a self-directed brokerage option, which you typically only see the self-directed brokerage options in large employer corporate 401ks, 401ks that have billions upon billions of dollars. And what a self-directed brokerage, brokerage account is, is it allows plan participants to go and work with an outside asset management firm. Here at Davidson Capital, we work with a very large employer here in town, and we are a self-directed brokerage option. Uh, even though we're not brokers, we're registered investment advisors, but the employees are able to go and continue to invest in their 401k, and then the assets flow through the custodian of those assets to Davidson Capital Management for us to actively manage those assets as they're working and building their retirement nest egg. And that was the same situation with this new client. But what he was telling me when he went into these seminars in the past is that he got the impression from the, the organization, from the group that was coming in there to give the presentation, is that if you're getting ready to retire, this is your only option. Your only option is to retire and roll these assets out with us to maintain here at this brokerage firm, and we're going to quote-unquote manage these assets for you. And, and he said that him and his colleagues, just they're constantly talking about their retirement and their retirement nesting. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? And a lot of his colleagues got that same feeling that this, this is the is not, only direction. This is, this is not new from this organization. We have heard this from, from other folks in the past that the, the, the sales pitch – is is very well honed. It's one sided. It's a one sided pitch. And and we're here to tell you, and we're coming up on the break here in a, in a short period of time, that when someone tries to frame to you as the employ as the holder of that four hundred one k, the owner of that four hundred one k, that they are the only choice. You better bet. You bet that they are not the only choice. And. You need to to do everything that you can to investigate what the other choices are out there for you, because anyone that tries to tell you that they're they're, they're the only choice, they're not telling you the truth. And the truth is, they want to maintain your assets. We understand that, but what we don't like is when they frame it in such a way that it it is that they they will not disclose to you that you do actually have other choices that don't include them. Well, and I think something else that was so frustrating for, for our new client, Jeff, is how many hoops they had to jump through to go through the process in order to get these assets moved over under our management and how frustrated our clients were of all the hoops they had to jump through. And again, we have experience of, ta of having business come in from this organization, and we know the amount of hoops, but it was getting to the point where, where he was so frustrated. He's like, wow, I don't know why anyone would ever move because they make it so onerous. And again, that is the trick. That's exactly that's, what they want. That's exactly what they want. They want to make it to have so many hoops and so many hurdles to jump over that you just say, you know what, I'm going to leave it where it is. Well, we're coming up on break. I want to continue on this topic, continue on this education, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, 
You can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing on investor education and talking about, again, this new client that just came into us this past week from a major organization, major 401k, and the brokerage firm that he had at one point in time, and, he, and it, what, what was so amazing is that he didn't even realize that he had selected this self-directed brokerage option from seminars in the past with this organization. Now, what this brokerage firm has that's overseeing the 401k is that they have pockets of brokers in all the major cities that this company has a major employee presence that come out and do periodic retirement, quote, you know, retirement seminars. And so he'd been to a retirement seminar in the past and somehow had signed something or had agreed to something to start this self-directed brokerage option with this organization, not knowing really anything about them other than the presentation pitch that they gave in front of the group of the employees, but also feeling like that this was the only direction he could go with his retirement assets as he went through the seminar. And as you mentioned, uh, Jeff, in the last segment, is that if you're working towards your retirement, you're a year out, six months out, eight months out, you have the total options of who you want to oversee your money, whether it's you yourself by rolling it out into a self-directed IRA that you're managing yourself, maybe through a discount broker, or if you want to go work with a different brokerage firm or a firm that is not involved in the 401k, going and hiring a registered investment advisor like a Davidson Capital Management to take discretionary control of those assets and manage it for you. We're just really here to, to, to provide that education to let you know that you have the ultimate control and the ultimate choices. Do not get sucked in in these retirement seminars and thinking that this is the only option you have because that is what they're going to make you feel like because as Jeff said earlier they want to retain those assets they don't want the assets leaving the major brokerage firm that's overseeing the 401k and of course the local representative that's coming out to do the presentation wants to continue to build their book of business so as I learned about the group that came out to give this presentation, I did a little bit of research. And as we've educated here on the Money Wise program, that all you simply have to do is go to Google. You do what's called a broker check, and it's going to take you to the FINRA website. Because everyone in the financial service industry has a permanent record. And that permanent record is going to show you if someone has any past misdemeanors or felony charges, if they filed bankruptcy, if they've had customer disputes and complaints. And so I wanted to take a look at the at this group that came out to give this presentation just to see what their record looked like. And lo and behold, what did I find? I found three customer complaints where there was accusations of fraud, account churning, misrepresentations, improper asset allocations, and the organization that employed this group of, of brokers had paid restitution to the tune of $575,000 over the course of their career. Not exactly a group of people that I would want to entrust my retirement assets and my retirement nest egg with, particularly when there is accusations of, of churning and of potential fraud and misappropriations. What is really disappointing in this particular case is that this the, this employer, this this huge employer has not does not appear to have taken the time to vet it out the people that are coming out on their premises. If I correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, Kyle, but these presentations are being done on the present on the premises of the employer itself, not at the brokerage house's premises. So these folks are coming on site, on property, giving these presentations to their employees, this captive audience. That's correct. And they're not vetting out these people to see what kind of records, what kind of credentials that they have. Because this is a particularly poor FINRA report that we've seen, especially from someone that is actually still employed at this organization. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's what I, I was mean, surprised. A half million dollars is a lot of, that's a lot of money to be paid at, paying out in fines and restitution. Uh, pardon me. 
and restitution. I, I, was it restitution? It was or resti- no, okay. it was restitution. Pardon me, it wasn't fines. It was restitution. So there, w- there was clearly. Uh, I wouldn't think that a, that an, a, that an organization, a brokerage firm, would willingly pay out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to a customer if there wasn't merit to their claim to begin with. And, and then when I started digging a little bit deeper and just getting a background of our new client and really their conservative nature, the fact that they you know, are, are very nervous about the market and wanting to have their assets protected, I do a portfolio review and analysis as I do for any prospective client. And what do I find? I find that almost 96% of their total investable net worth of this couple, because the wife is a client also, who also had assets with this group as well, they were sitting 96% in equities. And then I dig a little bit deeper, and what do I find? They are trading this account day in and day out, day in and day out, constantly. And I dig a little bit further, and I find out that this group is charging over 3% to do what they're doing. So understand that that if I'm going out to give this seminar, these assets are already at my brokerage house. Mm -hmm. The brokerage house is already receiving fees and expenses from the 401k participants uh, for, for their participation in this plan. But I could go out to this captive audience and sell them on the opportunity to take a portion of their assets into a self-directed account where I can then turn around and raise their fees up tremendously. I mean, do you really think they're paying 3% in their 401ks right now? Absolutely what? not. Uh, no way. There's no way. no way. They're paying that kind of money in their 401ks. So I can take this captive audience, take them out of their their original 401k options, put them into a self-directed brokerage account that's being managed at this brokerage firm. And I use management in quotations. Really, it appears that they're doing way too much trading, inappropriate asset allocation. Performance is horrible. And the performance was horrible, which is one thing. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> want to say that. that the, we, we saw long, longer-term performance numbers that were really poor. And we can hit them with over 3% in fees. I mean, that's like rubbing salt. I mean, it's it's rubbing more salt on a wound and then pouring vinegar and then alcohol on that wound when you put all of these together. And, you know, again, we're talking about this to provide that education. You know, if you're participating in a 401k and you're past the age of 59 and a half and you still want to continue to work for many years in the future, you have the option and you have the ability to take what's called an in-service distribution. And we've worked with a lot of clients over the past 25-plus years of business that we've been in that have taken and done these in-service distributions that allows you to roll the balance of your 401k because if you've been working at an organization 30, 35 years and you're sitting on half a million, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars that you've saved up in your nest egg and you're the one that's overseeing it and it's making you nervous, you have the ability to take that in-service distribution past the age of 59 and a half, roll those assets out. It's not a taxable event. Put them into a self-directed IRA where you can go and work with a traditional broker, someone on the sales side if you want to, or a registered investment advisor like a Davidson Capital Management who can take that discretionary control and manage those assets for you on your behalf while you're still continuing to work and still continuing to contribute and participate in the 401k because your participation doesn't stop. It just takes your balance from what it was, let's say 500000 down to zero and you're starting new. And we've had clients, Jeff, in the past, and I know you know this, that would contribute to the 401k for a year, get the matching contributions, get the profit sharing dollars, then make one phone call to us, say, hey, I'm rolling my balance for the year into what you're already managing for me. And they did that like clockwork year over year over year. So just know that if you're participating in a 401k, you're past 59 and a half, you can go and do what's called a in-service distribution. It's built into a prototype 401k plans. It's part of the IRS law for the 401k. So you have that ability. But keep in mind, when you go to these retirement plan seminars and they bring representatives of the company that's overseeing the 401k, they are not going to talk about this. They have a vested interest in maintaining your assets at their organization. And they're, they're not going 
to like you said, they're they're not going to come out and volunteer this to you. And if you choose not to go with them, understand that that some of them may make it very difficult for you to pull the money out. But you know what? It's your money, and you should decide exactly where it wants to go. And and if you don't like the way they're treating you on the way out the door, tell your employer to get rid of these folks and find someone else that is not going to play this game with their their employees. Because this particular group right now that's at this major employer, if the company knew the truth about what these folks, their backgrounds are and what they've been doing, I don't think they would be out there giving these seminars today. So if you'd like to learn more about in-service distributions or if there's anything that we could do here at Davidson Capital Management to help educate you and, and, and again, discuss your options pending retirement, you can definitely give us a call in our office at 906-0070. Again, 906-0070. And with that, we'd like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. For my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend into your financial health. We will talk to you next week.